0: You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. This being the first podcast, I wanted to take it for myself to go through an understanding with you of what sex, love, and relationship addiction is and what it isn't, and what are some of the beginning issues around all of that. If you want to find me, I'm not hard to find, you can uh, look up sexandrelationshiphealing.com and uh, you will find information there uh, to reach me or any of the work that I offer you, books, information, speakers, all of that information can be found on sexandrelationshiphealing.com. So I wanted to talk initially about what sex addiction is and isn't. There's a lot of mythology about it. There's a lot of confusion about it. Um, First of all, sex addiction is not having an affair or cheating occasionally, or even being emotionally distant from your partner. Sex addiction is a repetitive pattern of using sexual fantasy and sexual behavior, whether that involves porn, online behavior, or in real life, live behavior. Not just for the fun of sex, the enjoyment of sex, the recreation of sex, although that, that's what it may feel like, but more they're being used to make yourself feel better or uh, used as a way to escape difficult feelings. And the way that we can tell whether that sexual behavior is compulsive or addictive or not is simply by looking at, well, you know, has sex become more important to me than some of the other priorities in my life? Is sex and the pursuit of sex kind of taking over? In other words, is it driving on some of my decision making about where I travel or where I go during the day or when I get home at night? Is sex Uh, affectioning my functionality? Is my sexual behavior affecting my day-to-day life and my day-to-day priorities? Am I setting myself up for problems related to my sexual behavior where I might get into trouble if I'm looking at porn at work or if I'm cheating on my spouse and yet I keep doing it anyway even though I know that there are consequences or maybe I've had those consequences. And I've lost a family, I've lost a job, I've lost an important relationship, I've gotten a disease, I've had those kind of consequences and yet I keep doing the same behavior over and over again in the ways that I did it before. Because you see, sex addicts and love addicts, we're not looking for uh, the excitement of sex and romance, we're looking to lose ourselves in the excitement of sex and romance so that we don't have to deal with the day-to-day challenges and emotional stressors that healthy people do. Uh, We have emotional vulnerabilities, often leading back to childhood injuries and early trauma that leads us wanting to fix what we feel rather than deal with it. And we fix it over and over again using sexual fantasy, uh, romantic fantasy, and sexual romantic behavior. This is a lifelong struggle. Most of us have had these challenges since early life and continue to have them in various ways in adult life. Now, some of the mythology is that sex addiction is uh, negative, you know, that it's down on sex, that it's uh, moralistic or controlling your sex life or telling you who you should or shouldn't be around sex. And let me tell you that sex addiction and sexual compulsivity have nothing to do with who you choose as a partner. If you're into men and you don't feel good about it and you think that's addiction, it isn't. If you're into women and you wish you weren't and you want to call that addiction, it's not. That's called sexual orientation. If you're into leather or lace or panties or you're a man who wants to dress as a woman during sex or wants to be a woman, those are other issues like gender identity and fetishism. And I'm glad to spend time talking about those issues on this show, but that's not sex addiction. Sex addiction is pursuing Uh, sexual behavior to self-soothe, to make yourself feel more emotionally stable as a form of exciting distraction from day-to-day emotional challenges. And that can be carried out uh, with men, with women, through fetishes. It doesn't really matter what kind of sex you're having. In fact, that's a question I often get, you know, well, hey, Rob, what kind of sex makes you a sex addict? You know, if you're doing this or you're doing that, surely that must mean you're a sex addict. And, you know, I would use the example of other addictions. I would say, well, if you're drinking whiskey, does that mean you're an alcoholic, but you're drinking wine? That means you're not. Or in gambling, you know, if you play blackjack, does that mean you're not a compulsive gambler? You can only, only be a compulsive gambler if you play craps. And we know the answer is no, all of those have the potential to be addictive. So it really doesn't matter whether you're into sex with men or into sex with women or into sex with leather or lace, you can still be a sex addict. It's not about those things. It's also not about the culture saying this is a good, moral, ethical, appropriate sexual behavior, and this is bad sexual behavior. It's not my job as a sex addiction professional to tell you what kind of sex you should be having or with whom. It's only when the pattern of your sexual behavior has become so self-destructive or destructive to the people around you that you might come to someone like me and say, hey, I think my sexual behavior is ruining my life. And if you—if that happens to be because you're married and have two kids and you're interested in men, I'm not going to tell you you're a sex addict. I'm going to tell you we have orientation issues to deal with. And if you're a woman who's really into leather and wants to be tied up and... Uh, You know, or be a dominae—I can never say that word, right? Dominatrix, you know—and feel terrible about that because you're, you know, a married mother of three. Um, I'm not going to tell you that sex addiction—that has more to do with fetishism and other issues. So, one of the challenges with sex addiction is is that there are so many myths about what it is. You know, it's a gay issue. It's not. It's about orientation. It's not. It's a cultural uh, prescription for what is healthy or, or uh, ethical sexual behavior. It's not. I'm really, really dealing with a disorder that is no different than drug addiction or alcoholism. It's where a naturally occurring function has run off the rails. So... I think of sex addiction being most like an eating disorder. You know, we all need to eat. But if we're eating outrageous, ridiculous amounts of food or we're not eating enough or we're restricting our diets, in other words, we're using food to control and manage our emotions, then eating becomes a problem. Then we're not eating like everyone else is simply to nourish or because they're hungry or because something looks really good. We're eating for the secondary gain, which is just to feel emotionally okay. And when you're dealing with those kinds of issues or in sex where sexual fantasy and sexual behavior is used as a form of emotional escape, what we are going to do with uh, behavior change is we don't want to eliminate sex, just like you wouldn't tell someone with an eating disorder, hey, the goal here is to stop eating. You would tell them the goal is to find out which parts of eating are unhealthy for you and marginalize them. Sit and write those out and say, you know, if you had an eating disorder that involved binge eating, for example, you might say, well, no eating between meals, no going to buffets, no sugar, um, no eating at parties, no second servings. You know, those might be the things that would define sobriety for you. And if you're a sex addict, it would probably be more things like Uh, sexual behavior that is um, destroying my marriage, sexual behavior that is destroying my work, sexual behavior that is leading me away from parenting my kids or being available for my lover or my partner, my work. And so it's not that I would seek to eliminate all sexual behavior. What I would do is seek to eliminate sexual behavior that is destructive to me in my life, not based on orientation or gender identity or fetishes or cultural beliefs. And this can be hard to sort out. This is why we have 12-step meetings like Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, uh, Sex Addicts Anonymous, uh, Sexual Compulses Anonymous, Sexaholics. There are many different programs where people can go for absolutely nothing and get information about whether they might have a problem. You can go to my site, sexandrelationshiphealing.com. Or my own personal site, uh, robertweissmsw.com, and I have all kinds of tests that you can take to see if sex addiction might be an issue for you. Believe me, the last thing I want to do is, is grab a whole bunch of people and drag them down the street and say, Hey, I want you to be my patients. You must be a bunch of sex addicts. I don't want people to be sex addicts. It's not a fun thing to do and be. The life you end up living if you're a sex addict is a double life. It's a compartmentalized life. It's a life where you may be longing for a love or affection or connection in one area of your life, or maybe you have it. And then there's this whole other part of your life that you run to for intensity and stimulation and fantasy, and nobody else knows about it. It becomes your kind of go-to secret, that's my place that nobody can have access to except me. And it is your own personal, private, controlled, and managed sexual life. That can be with porn, that can be with online cam guys or girls, that can be with uh, hookups and hookup apps, it can be with affairs. I don't believe that sex addicts are really looking to destroy their marriages or their relationships or their feelings about themselves or sex addicts are not seeking to create the negative consequences. In the moment that they're looking for the sex, they just want to feel better. They just want to not feel. They just want to escape into excitement and intensity. And a lot of times they can feel like for the sex addict, well, I'm just horny or look at that hot person on the street. I want something like that. And before you know it, we're often running into situations that we didn't intend to go to, we didn't intend to be in. And I think that's another kind of sign of sex addiction is this idea that, you know, uh, I end up doing things or I end up, it feels like, in places and situations I didn't intend and that in my sort of right mind, if you will, I really didn't want to be in. And then I went there anyway Being a sex addict means being compelled and pushed internally into situations that can be emotionally damaging and damaging to the people that we care about. And we go ahead and just run right into those things anyway, anyway, just like the alcoholic picks up that bottle, knowing that he may end up or she may end up as a drunk driver or you know, uh, passing out and hurting themselves or someone else. We don't do these things because it brings us joy and happiness. We do it just to feel okay about ourselves. And by the way, I want to say this to everybody anyone who's listening, especially if you're a partner of a sex addict or a spouse of a sex addict uh, or a love addict, sex addiction is not really about you, the spouse or the partner. We understand that it affects you, but I'm not going out there because you're not sexy enough. You're not attractive enough. You're not thin enough any partner as any, as any partner would, I can imagine if I was married to someone or in a relationship with someone that they might think, well, you're acting out because of me. And a lot of times as a sex addict, I'm going to want you to think that because as long as you're blaming yourself, you're not looking at me. And if you're saying to me as my wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, you seem really distant. You seem really emotionally detached. You seem really non-intimate. I don't understand. Are you having an affair or something going on? Well, believe me, the last thing I'm going to want to do is have you think that there's actually something going on you don't know about. So if I can get you to think, well, you know, if you were thinner, if you, we just had to have those kids, if you just weren't so busy with work. In other words, if I can shift the responsibility from my behavior, from me over to you and keep you doubting yourself, then I can probably get away with it longer. And I, and I want to say to spouses, that is not loving behavior. I get that. But addicts are not particularly loving when they are in the process of their addiction. You know, I want to remind you folks that there's many a heroin addict who might have taken their kids. Its college fund uh, to buy drugs with when they were using, but then when sober, might work three jobs to pay that money back. It is really the compulsion, the addiction, the being pulled into this emotional space of wanting to escape that leaves us making decisions that we later regret. And we do regret them. You know, I don't know many sex addicts that leave their three hour cruising situations are there four hours online looking at apps or porn and say oh that was really fun what a good time i had we're just just usually kind of exhausted and relieved that that's over and want to put it behind us and get on with our lives it's almost like something we have to do and get rid of and move beyond so for the spouses, I really want you to hear that this is our problem. We had this problem before we met you. And we may blame you. We may shame you. We may say it's your fault. We may put some of the responsibility on you. But the reality is, is that when we go to act out, it is our choice. And I, I think this is one of the most important things to understand about addiction in general is that for some people, it is perceived as an excuse. Like, oh, okay, now they're an addict. So, you know, they must have had to do it and they couldn't help themselves. And now I just have to feel sorry for them because they have a problem problem oh and i guess when they do it again they'll just say oh well sorry i'm an addict that's not addiction recovery for me and for most of the people i work with and most of the addicts i know who have for whom recovery is meaningful stopping their behavior is about i mean having the desire to do the behavior and the desire to stop is not about it's not a badge of courage it's more like oh wow if i claim that i'm an addict that means i have an extra level of responsibility and if I say I'm an alcoholic, that doesn't mean that I have an excuse for drinking. It means I have to be extra focused on my self-care, on my emotional stability. If I say I'm an alcoholic, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself in a way that I don't end up drinking. And so for me to go out there and say I'm a sex addict or a love addict means that I have an extra level of responsibility. I have this knowledge about myself now that I didn't have before. I'm not just horny. I'm, just, I'm not just lonely. I'm acting out a problem. And once I have that awareness and I call myself an addict or a compulsive, that means that I have a responsibility to begin to work on myself, to go to therapy, to go to 12-step meetings, to get support, to learn to Um, find my way out of this hole that I've put myself in. And by the way, it doesn't matter in the beginning really that it happened because of childhood trauma. It doesn't matter that it happened because my mother beat me and my dad raped me. And those are horrible things and terrible things. But in the beginning of recovery, what matters most is that I stop the behavior. I cannot in the beginning start to delve deeply into trauma or early emotional challenges or maybe even some of the challenges in my relationship because sex addicts are going to act out sexually if they drop a pencil. The stress of a fight with a spouse or looking at my early childhood trauma could send me spinning into acting out for weeks. A lot of times what is best in the earliest stages of the recovery process is simply learning how to notice that I want to go have sex, or notice that I want to call that ex, or notice that I want to go on Facebook and chat with that affair partner, and choose to not do it. And then say, gee, I wonder what's going on with me that I want to escape into this nether world, this fantasy world of sex and romance. Hey there, I sure hope you're enjoying this sex, love and addiction podcast. I want to also briefly say something for the love addict. Um, this is an even more difficult disorder to understand because love is a beautiful and wonderful thing, like sex. But love is also something that you you know it's sort of hard to imagine it being addictive. Um, how could you addictively love someone? I mean, love is love. You are all enmeshed. You all are in fantasy. You are singing love songs to each other. You know that's that's what love's all about. And. And, and to be honest, that's what the beginning of love is all about. I mean, real love. And by the way, if anybody wants, wants to know the secret, I'll tell you right here. Real love is knowing someone fully and accepting them fully and loving them fully for who they are, not for what they give you, not for what they seem to be, but for who you know them to be. And as a good therapist friend of mine said when I was desperately seeking a relationship many years ago and I was saying, well, how long does it take to get to know somebody? Because I want to get settled. I want to get married. I want to get committed. I want all this dating stuff behind me. And my therapist said about two years and I was so mad. Two years to form the kind of committed long-term relationship that I want to have? Well, who wants to wait that long, especially if you're an addict? But it takes about two years to fully know and understand someone and begin to appreciate them for who they are. So yeah, the early stages of love and romance and the intensity of all that, that feels like sex addiction. Um, The love addict looks for those experiences over and over again and thinks that they are love. So, the love act is looking for all that romantic intensity and, you know, chocolate candy and love songs and we can't stop thinking about each other and you're everything to me. Only that goes on for a very long time, even if the object of your love is emotionally unavailable or abusive or distant or less and less engaged in the relationship. A love addict will continue to pursue the person or situation that they over time know will hurt them and let them down, but their loneliness, their emptiness, and their obsession leads them back to situations that hurt them around romance in the same way that for a sex addict, their obsession, their fear, their loneliness leads them to sexual situations that are empty for them over and over and over again. So when we talk about healing from sex and love addiction... Again, we're not talking about eliminating love or sex, but we are talking about being able to separate what is healthy connection, what is healthy sexuality, what is healthy loving versus something that's pathological, something that is problematic, something that is self-destructive. And You know, there are some answers for this. Um, I wrote a book called Sex Addiction 101. If you want to understand whether sex addiction is an issue for you, I would suggest reading it. Um, It is the most simple to read basic book on sex addiction that really helps explain the early issues. and, But most of all, how you recognize if you have the problem. There are many books on love addiction. Uh, one of them I'd recommend strongly is actually the big book, the main book for sex and love addicts, Anonymous, because there's some really good stories in there. And I really like the way they talk about sex and love addiction in that book in a way that can leave the reader understanding love addiction as it comes from a sense of emptiness and desperation. You know, that's how love addicts feel. They feel empty and desperate. And then they get that hint of gold from that person they are dating, that bright, shiny light that maybe this person could love me the way I've always wanted to be loved. Maybe this person could deliver me the kind of care and loving that I've always needed. And then they put blinders on to all of the emotional challenges that person might present. You know, the the opportunity to... Get back to a thrilling and exciting experience that only comes occasionally is one of our greatest motivators. If you understand behavioral science, it says that uh, if you're playing a slot machine and it pays off every time, you're probably not going to play much longer because that's pretty boring. And if you play a slot machine and it never pays off, you're probably not going to play because you're going to be losing money and that's kind of boring. But if you play a slot machine that rewards you with a win, just often enough to keep you interested, you may play forever. And that concept is called intermittent reinforcement. It's the idea that if the bell gets rung, you know, just once in a while, I will continue trying to chase that forever. And so for the person who is dating or is involved with the unavailable partner, once in a while, that unavailable partner comes up with a gem. Once in a while, they do show up and love you. Once in a while, they do show up and show you their best side. Once in a while, they do remember uh, that you're important. And boy, will those moments give you a reason to go through all of the crap with them forever. And sex addicts will also have that occasional amazing sexual experience, you know, and they get to hide it and keep it a secret. And it's a glowing moment inside of them. And uh, of course, that allows us to block out all the crappy experiences we've had, all the sex we've had with people we didn't want to have, or we followed through because we started something we didn't want to stop, or we didn't know how to get out of, or we had sex with someone we didn't want to, or all of the bad and negative stuff, the diseases, the losses, they all disappear in the moment of excitement of the possibility of that one good experience and by the way folks that's neurochemical that is our brains that are working overtime we only have one pleasure center in the brain it is our dopaminergic center and it doesn't our brain you know the part of our brain that delivers us pleasure it doesn't really differentiate whether it's healthy pleasure or unhealthy pleasure it's just seeking to deliver us pleasure And if we are using pleasure to escape reality and using pleasure, whether it's drinking, using, sexing, gaming, gambling, again, for that secondary gain of just trying to feel okay or feel better, then our brains are going to lead us to seek out that emotional intensity that we get stuck in over and over and over again. Answers. Answers are in books, in education. If you want to heal, start reading. You know, read the original text that Pat Carnes wrote out of the shadows about sex addiction. Read um, Always Turned On, uh, a book that I wrote about the internet and trauma and some of the emotional issues people have with sex addiction. Learn about love addiction through people like Charlotte Castle, if you're a woman, or Brenda Schaefer, women who have written about these issues. And, you know, really learn to find out uh, if this is a problem for you and if it is where you lie on the scale how profound a problem it is. You know, um, there's a, a saying in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. They will say, you know, if you don't think you're an alcoholic, but people say to you drinking is a problem, well, just don't drink for 30 days and see what happens now, some people can, you know, white knuckle and kind of scrunch and grunge themselves into not drinking for 30 days. Oh, I can't wait to get to that 31st day when I can have that drink. Um, and they may be alcoholic, but the majority of alcoholics are going to struggle during that 30 days in a profound way to not drink. And it's very similar with sex addiction. You know, if you think you're a sex addict and you want to see if that's true or not, eliminate sex from your life for 30 days or eliminate any sex but sex with your partner, for example, for 30 days and see how that feels. See what kind of temptations or distractions you have. If you're a love addict, take out all the people or all the situations that have been painful, empty, problematic that you've ended up chasing and say, I'm not going to engage with those people, those situations. I'm not going to write them emails, text letters. I'm going to block their phone numbers, block their emails. Oh, does it feel painful when I say that? It might because as much as we want to shut this out of our lives, sometimes we want to keep it in too. But block all of that out of your life for 30 days and see what happens. If you find yourself going back to the porn, back to the masturbation, back to the prostitutes, back to the affair partners, if you find yourself texting, writing, and reaching out to those unavailable emotional partners or those people who gave you that glint of gold that was followed up by a whole bunch of crap, if you can't stay away from them or those situations, you probably have a problem. And I got to tell you, you know... um, The one maybe positive note about being a sexual love addict is, if you really want to deal with this problem, you have to grow. And as someone who has been in twelve-step meetings myself for thirty-three years, and uh, involved in psychotherapy of my own for over twenty-five, and yes, I've, I've spent a lot of money in therapy, but the reality is, is I have a life today. You know, where I don't have to escape, I don't have to disappear, I don't have to. Uh, be disintegrated and i think that's a big key to sex addiction by the way if you're living a double life where there's a part of you that you don't want anyone else to know about and you are keeping it secret and it has to do with sex and relationship why are you keeping that secret why are you hiding that part of yourself why do you not want those people involved in your life that you call friends or lovers or husbands or wives why would you be keeping those kinds of secrets from them you know, one of the one of the painful things about being a sex or love addict that we often don't think about when we're thinking about the excitement of going and going uh, and having that sexual experience or connecting with that old partner. One of the things we don't think about is how much it hurts us in terms of how we're not able to get the love that we want. Now, I'll give you an example of that. And I really like this story. I, I worked with a man who was absolutely a sex addict and he went to see sex workers and escorts. Um, he went for sexual massages, erotic massages and that kind of thing and one day uh, his wife called him at work and he said, you know, uh, she said, honey, um, you know, I, I'm just, uh, they had been married for about eight years, they had a couple of kids at home and his wife called him at work and he, she said, you know, honey, I just, I got to get away from these kids, I need an evening for myself, I want to go take a yoga class with some friends, would you come home early and take care of the kids and first thing in this sex addict's mind was, oh, an opportunity, an opening, she's not going to be home, I can probably get some acting out in there and still get home in time to take care of the kids. So, you know, he left work early, he stopped off as his favorite massage parlor, and uh, he had his sexual experience. And then he went home, took a shower. He was there when the kids came home, fed them. And when his wife came home at nine o'clock that night, there she was, relaxed, having gone to her class. And she's looking over at her husband sitting in the living room floor, floor with her kids. And she doesn't know that he was acting out. All she knows is that she's come home. The kitchen is a disaster. The kids and toys and everything is all over the place. But there she sees her kids and her husband playing and laughing and having a good time. And she's gotten to go out and take care of herself. And this, by the way, is a true story. And this woman came up behind her husband that night and she put her arms around him and she said, honey, you know, I just can't tell you how much you're the man I've always wanted as a husband and as a father. When I come home tonight and I see that you are letting me have some time for me and you are loving our kids, I'm just so grateful I married you. And there's that man with all of the information, all the feedback, all the loving that he probably, well, any of us would want to hear from a partner. And what is he thinking to himself? Is he thinking, she's right. I'm a great dad. I'm a pretty cool husband. Look what I did today. I'm I'm, I'm a good guy. No, he's not thinking that at all. He's thinking to himself, you know, if she knew where I went today, if she knew about the escort, if she knew about the massage, if she knew about the hookup, She wouldn't be saying these things. In other words, he's thinking to himself, no matter how much love she gives me, I don't really deserve it because I know about things I've been doing that she doesn't know about. And in that way, the sex addict, even though in the moment he or she may think, oh, I'm going to get away with something really exciting and no one's going to know about it. We don't really get away with anything because we're the ones who are left with the shame, the guilt, the secrecy, and the inability to accept the real love that we deserve from the people around us, the people who can give to us the most. This is Rob Weiss, and this is Sex, Love, and Addiction 101. I bring you this podcast on a regular basis because I want you to have a place to go to listen and understand these issues. I am so tired and angry after 30 years in the field of seeing the degree of shame and stigma that we put on addicts in general. Um, You can only imagine how difficult it is to be a sex addict. And by the way, I want to say one more time that being a sex addict is not an excuse for bad behavior. It doesn't forgive the pain that the adult has caused the person they love. But being a sex addict does mean that you have a lot of work to do on yourself to clean up your act, to clean up your lies, your secrets, and to make it right in your relationships with the the people you love. And the good news is, is that you can do that with guidance, uh, with things like this podcast, with things like books, by going to 12-step programs, by going to therapy. This is not a life sentence. And I can tell you as a sex addict who had lots of trauma growing up and who has legitimately earned the title sex addict based on what my child it looked like. I actually am grateful now to have that label because for me, having to take that label on meant that I had to go to therapy. I had to go to 12-step programs. I had to join groups. In other words, owning that I am a sex addict meant that I had to grow. And so now I have—I don't have any shame about it because I'm not embarrassed about it. I, have any, I don't have any secrets around it. And I have a really happy relationship in life for myself today without secrets, without hiding And you don't have to know how I'm living my sexual life, but I can tell you I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed about it. I don't have anything to hide. And there's nothing that my spouse of 17 years doesn't know. And for me, that allows me to be loved and have the freedom to understand my desire to act out uh, sexually, but not act out on it today. And I wish the same to you. You can find me on this podcast week after week with experts from, you know, I'm fortunate. I have gotten to know experts from all over the country and all over the world in intimacy disorders, sexual disorders, sexual trauma, love, and sex addiction. And I'm going to bring you those experts week after week or or podcast after podcast on sex, love, and addiction 101. If you want to find me directly, you can reach me at sexandrelationshiphealing.com or through my own website at robertweissmsw.com. This is Rob Weiss, therapist, recovering person, and uh, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to join you for this show. Keep listening. There's more to come. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com.